here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's come a long way. He used to be a whiteboard. Sorry. Still the wrong picture. We don't right. get any more pictures, sorry. Hmm? We don't even get any more pictures. Yeah, I know. I know. I might bust it up at some point. But you can share the PowerPoint. Yeah. Here, can you see that? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, as we've discussed and we were looking at classical apologetics and the four different possibilities to explain reality as we encounter it. Uh, one, the first one was illusion, which we had already, uh, we've already illumin eliminated. Uh, the other was self-creation. And we're going to do this in two parts. I wanted to do it in one, uh, but that just would have lasted forever. Um, so we're doing this in two parts. Um, and the, the one after this is going to be self-creation. So all of reality is self-existent. Um, and then the last possibility is that all of reality is, uh, comes from a being who is self-existent. Um, and again, these are general categories. I mean, obviously, very few people will just come out and say, you know, I believe in self-creation. You know, they, they, uh, but again, uh, generally, uh, we'll find that some of their ideas can be subsumed under this category. Um, there are several different types of self-creation. Uh, so we're going to look at a few, but there are several different types. Um, again, while they won't say they believe in self-creation, the general concept can be uh, subsumed with, under that category. So before looking at uh, different variations, I want to let's look at this idea as it's written self-creation. Self this is what's called analytically false. It means it's false by definition. Okay, so again, when we looked at the principles of epistemology, remember the law of contradiction, the law of causality, the basic reliability of sense perception, analogical use of language. Um, so those are crucial for understanding any truth, remember? And those are principles we must never negotiate, uh, especially as theists, because anybody outside of theism will generally break one or more of those. Um, again, yeah. Um, so the idea of self-creation is manifestly absurd. Uh, for something to create itself, it's got to be before it was, uh, or it's an effect that is its own cause. Or to put it another way, it's, it has to be and not be at the same time and in the same relationship. Which principle does that break? Um, everything. <laughs> of the epistemological principles. The law of contradiction. Very good, yeah. Remember, the, the basic formula for that is A cannot equal A and non-A at the same time and in the same relationship. So this is manifestly absurd. Uh, it would, again, it would have to be before uh, it was. Uh, again, clearly violates the law of contradiction. So this, it puts this idea uh, of basically into the um, category of pure absurdity, of pure irrationality. Uh, does everybody understand that at the outset? Okay. <laughs> the idea, again, of self-creation is, uh, is itself a false uh, proposition. Uh, so let's look at these, though, versus self-existence. Remember, this is going to be the next category after self-creation. Now, there's nothing logically inconsistent about a self-existent being, or, or the term self-existence doesn't break any of those principles of, of epistemology or, or of knowledge, right? Uh, it, it's just completely different. Um, uh, yeah. 
nothing to be self-created. Remember the two boys uh, that I was telling you about, how one was asking uh, the, the other boy, you know, where do the flowers come from? He said, God made the flowers. Where do the trees come from? God made the trees. Oh, well, where do you come from? God made me. And he said, then, you know, well, who made God? And he said, God made God. Now that sounds fun. That might sound fun, but it's not sound. It's not sound logic. Even God doesn't have the ability to create himself. And we're going to see uh, this kind of manifest in, in uh, again, different ways. Again, Hamlet understood the options. Remember, to be or not to be, those are the only options. Okay. All right. So one of the first developments, and we briefly looked at this, um, I think in our analogical use of language, we've seen it uh, in other areas as well. Uh, the first development of this started with the Enlightenment, when, where the French encyclopedias moving, movement, we, we discussed Diderot, but Holbach was also a big deal uh, in that. So they are, these people were arguing vociferously against the existence of God. And the main, now the, the Enlightenment wasn't a monolithic, Deal. So, some of the, the thinkers were theists, and some of them were not. These were far from it. The, Diderot, remember, had, had called himself the, per, the personal enemy of God. But, anyway, uh, so these people are vehement. Because, again, what, what, what they came up with, what, they, what the idea, the general idea of the Enlightenment is the God hypothesis is no longer necessary to explain reality. Or, you know, uh, any of that. Um, I need to go by this, and I'm not. Uh, um, which former generations believed was a logical necessity. Uh, it, it, uh, God's creation is manifestly logically necessary to uh, explain reality as we encounter it. Um, and these people came up with, remember, that's where we saw spontaneous generation. And that's kind of things just coming into being. I think this is the next one. Let's see. Yeah, that means, again, things just become on their own outside of development. Okay, they just pop into being. What would happen is that these, these uh, people would go outside after it rained or whatever. They'll go outside and they see these mud puddles. And they look in the mud puddles. And some of them have different kind of fish eggs, or some of them have tadpoles. And they say, you know, look, see, there's life just creating out of nothing. And they don't, they didn't take into consideration like the fly, the birds flying and bringing things in and, and everything. So they didn't analyze what they couldn't see with the naked eye. Remember, we talked about the reliability of sense perception. Um, again, so they weren't. Um, so there was a period in history where people believed. Ex nihilo, things came. Remember, ex nihilo, nihil fit. Now, the, the fundament, that was a fundamental law of science, and it still is, it's just ignored. Um, so, remember, the reason, though, you, ha you have this in science is because nothing, so out of nothing, nothing comes. Because out of nothing, nothing can come. Nothing Produce, nothing can produce something, or nothing does produce something because nothing can produce something. Um, and we'll look at that more fully uh, shortly. Um, but this, again, this principle was challenged in the Enlightenment uh, that, you know, basically things just pop into being. Um, uh, to, and today's science teachers 
will lament this. They'll say, you know, nobody believes in that anymore, this spontaneous generation. They realize that, uh, that that idea is absurd. And so they'll say that is categorically rejected now. And I have to humbly say I don't agree with their analysis because we're going to see that people, again, don't call it this, uh, but their, their redefinition still is subsumed under the category of self-creation. Um, a Nobel scientist uh, wrote an article that basically said, you know, this, this idea is outdated and we need to come up with basically a new sophisticated way of explaining this. And I kid you not, he came up with gradual spontaneous generation. And so things don't just pop into being quickly. Uh, if things are going to come out of nothing, it's going to take some time. So you, you just need a lot of patience. It might take eons and eons, but eventually something can come out of nothing. It just takes a lot of time. You'll see that in science. That is basically the explanation for every, most of anything. Look at evolution. Look at, remember that, uh, uh, and the Big Bang. I mean, basically, the longer and longer you can make these time frames, the more feasible, anyway, it is, even though it's logically and categorically uh, absurd. Um, okay, sorry, I need to go, keep on not going by this. Um, and again, that, this was coming from a Nobel Prize winning scientist. It's a learned man. And typically, when you're very well-known and you're, and you're very learned, you get away with saying a bunch of absurd things. You can get away with, because people, like we had said, they'll just assume it's a mystery. They'll see a contradiction, again, remember, which, which is manifestly unintelligible. You'll never be able to understand it. But a mystery is something with more data, with more explanation. That which, that was, that which was hidden or concealed is then later revealed. But they'll just, they'll just assume that it's something they can't understand. It's this esoteric thing. This brilliant guy knows it. And he understands it. But, you know, I'm just not smart enough to, <laughs> to understand it. Um, yeah. Uh, and again, at this point, this is where the philosopher and the scientist butt heads. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because, um, again, nobody's going to come out and say that they believe in self-creation. And basically, spontaneous generation, gradual spontaneous generation reminds me of the old axiom, a rose by any other name is still a rose. You know, just because you put a different title on it doesn't change the, uh, the uh, framework of it. Um, yeah, okay. I wanted to show you this because this is basically, so this is Calvin, I love Calvin and Hobbes. It's a very thought-provoking comic book. Uh, so he's taking a test, and the question is, what important event took place on uh, December 16, 1773? Can anybody answer that? Don't worry about it. Uh, uh, so he just said, I do not believe in linear time. There is no past or, uh, and future. All is one, and existence in the temporal sense is illusory. This question, therefore, is meaningless and impossible to answer. And then he says, when in doubt, deny all terms and definitions. <laughs> That's hilarious. Because, and then there's another one that I'll show you some other time. Uh, The Brit I'm not gonna. We'll talk about that after. I, I just I was curious if anybody did. Like the British came yeah. and they were like, "We need our taxes." Basically, yeah, that's where it kind of started, and they started <laughs> taking guns away. Yes. Just because George Washington didn't want his taxes. That's interesting. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So returning to this. So when the Hubble telescope 
was launched in 1980. Uh, uh, it was developed, obviously, in America. There was a radio broadcast which quoted a very well-known uh, astrophysicist at the time. And we can talk about who these people are after these sessions, okay? Um, which is increasing, obviously, our understanding of outer space, the Hubble telescope. Uh, and this, this broadcast went on to quote this astrophysicist as saying, you know, that this is very exciting, you know, it, it, from his, from what he believed, is that the universe was, began like 15 to 18 years ago, a billion years ago, uh, where the universe exploded into being. Okay. Again, here is where the astrophysicist is using heavily philosophical terms. Remember, being is that ontological, that's ontology. The study of being is a philosophical concept. And what happens in science, I'm just going to skip through all this. What happens in science is generally they use one half of the scientific method, the inductive half, and they leave out the second part of the scientific method, the deductive half, the, which is principally logical. It's a logic. So you, you induce, you, you, you do your experiments, you have all these hypotheses, you do all this stuff, and then after that, you make a cogent and coherent uh, result, you know, you come up with a result based on that, but it has to be one of a logical sort. So if it ever is that something comes out of nothing, that can't be an explanation because that is logically absurd, tacitly, just nonsense. Um, okay. And so if it exploded into being, what was it before? Well, right. Because what's the opposite of being? Non-being. And philosophically, that's basically the same thing as saying nothing, which we're going to really look at even more next week. Um, yeah, yeah. So you could find this great explosion where you know if you if you could go back in time that far, you could see this uh, great explosion uh, where reality comes into being from non-reality, basically. And this is manifestly absurd. Again, this is this is absolutely nonsensical. And I hope and trust that this, this astrophysicist would basically say some effect of a misspoke. Because it'd be one thing if he said that it changed into, like 15 to 18 billion years ago, the, the universe was in a certain state of, of existence, and it changed 15 billion years ago. That's at least coherent. That's at least, you know, something we can talk about. So, you know, I'd like to think that maybe he, you know, he just kind of misspoke, or maybe he was misquoted. Um, but far and away... The most, uh, the most frequent form of self-creation is what we're going to look at next week, which is the idea of creation by chance. So, namely, the universe uh, comes into being through some power attributed to chance. Uh, usually the formula will be time plus space plus chance. Uh, and, and I wanted to briefly look at this again today. Uh, but this is going to take a long, uh, long time. R.C. Sproul wrote a book uh, called Not a Chance, where he discusses this more in length. Again, what we're going to be looking at next week. And so I'd encourage you to read uh, um, uh, that book. But because he, he goes into more detail about how these things come from like the Heisenberg indeterministic principle, uh, uh, quantum physics, uh, just physics as well. Uh, and we'll, we'll look at that. Uh, I mean, these people, you know, like, 
from people like Niels Bohr and uh, others. Um, again, we'll we'll look into some in some detail next week. Just to recap, recapitulate, what we're doing is that we're looking at these four possibilities to explain reality as we encounter it. Remember the illusion, which we looked at two weeks ago. Uh, Self-creation, which we looked at the first half today. We'll look at the next uh, next week. Then it'll be self-existence, where reality and it's or the universe uh, is self-existence, and then we'll go into uh, realities from a being, which is self-existent. Because again, the only way, if there ever, remember what I said, I think the the most simple argument for the existence of God is if anything exists, necessarily God exists. And so I want to show you here, just, just in this specific part, if there ever was nothing, what could there possibly be now? Nothing. The only way, the only way you can get something out of nothing is some form of self-creation, which is manifestly impossible. Okay, so I just want to, so we're, we're doing away with this in principle before we even look at chance next week. Okay? Okay. Um, and I wouldn't assign that task to anybody, you know, to, 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 to explain, uh, you know, how the universe comes into being by itself. Uh, that's manifestly absurd. So again, this is this was gonna this is kind of introducing uh, this part of the, those four possibilities going into next week um, uh, uh, regarding chance. All right, any questions? Isn't that gross? <laughs> I was try- it's it's hard to find a picture with the, you know containing the idea of self-existence because it's not a thing, but you know it's at least uh, yeah suggestive anyway. Anybody have any questions? Yeah. A lot of people, like especially now, I've heard a lot of people starting to discuss about how the Big Bang might have happened, but God did it. So mm-hmm. when you think about like existence being created, do you think that like when God made light, that it was like this Big Bang of light, or do you think it was just there? Well, I th- so that's called uh, God's um, imperative. Uh, so I believe he literally spoke it into being. Mm-hmm. God has the power to speak things into being. Now, if that looked like so, if we could actually go back in time to that point, mm-hmm. I mean, that might look like light and, and the universe coming mm-hmm. into being because, I mean, he created yeah, the heavens and the earth it. before that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. think, that, uh, yeah, that goes back to, um, if this astrophysicist had said some of the effect of the universe was this way, and then it mm-hmm. changed into a different form, mm-hmm. that makes that's yeah, that, that's that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, very good question. Any others? No. Okay, our excerpt for today. Just so you know, we read uh, Augustine's Confessions. This is my favorite book, apart from the Bible, and yeah, there are other reasons, but we don't need to. Get, we don't have to go into that. Okay. Thus, thus with, so remember, well, I'm sure you don't remember the, uh, what we looked at two weeks ago, but this is following that. Remember, this is during his conversion, if you remember. Anyway, uh, thus with the baggage of the world, I was sweetly burdened as one in slumber and my musings on thee were like the efforts of those who desire to awake, but who are still overpowered with drowsiness and fall back into deep slumber. And as one no and as no one wishes to sleep forever, for all men rightly count waking better, yet a man will usually defer shaking off his drowsiness when there is a heavy lethargy in his limbs. 
and he, and he is glad to sleep uh, on even when his reason uh, disapproves. And the hour for rising has struck. So was I assured that it was much better for me to give myself up to thy love than to go, uh, go on yielding myself to my own lust. Thy love satisfied and vanquished, my, vanquished me. My lust pleased and fettered me. I had no answer to thy calling to me. Awake, you who sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. That is from Ephesians 5.14. On all sides thou didst uh, show me that thy words are true, and I, convicted, and I, convicted by the truth, had nothing at all to reply but the drawling and drowsy words, Presently, see presently, leave me alone a little while. But presently, presently, had no present. And my leave me alone a little while went on for a long while. <laughs> in vain did I delight in thy law in the, in the inner man, while another law in my members warred against the law of my mind and brought me to, into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. For the law of sin is the tyranny of habit, by which the mind is drawn and held even against its will. Yet it, is, it, deserved, uh, it, yet it deserves to be uh, so held because it so willfully falls into the habit. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? But by, but thy grace alone through Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, I mean, this just go, goes back to as he's being converted, he's 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 still stuck in his old ways. He still wants his former, th and so he's he's asking God presently, presently, you know, leave me alone a little while, and this little while turns into a long while because you know he's but he's fighting against himself. Remember, we talked about free will, but will is really in bondage into sin. I mean, we you know autonomy. Remember that the the um, the will of man is only free in and through God, right? Okay, and that's basically what he's saying. He's going on in and through his conversion, knowing the truth, and now he knows he's suppressing the truth, and he and he realizes, and so he's coming to wake up more and more. But it's a gradual, gradual thing. But thanks be to God um, that he is faithful. Right. Any questions on that? All right. But what is that picture um, depicting? A guy drawing himself. Yeah, self-creation. Yeah. Oh, he's drawing himself into existence. Okay. Yeah, it's actually a perfect picture. 